This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit in your home. Well, hello, families. I'm excited to bring you this episode about picky eating today. I'm imagining that if you pushed play on this episode, you have a picky eater. <laughs> and while I can't speak to having a personal, uh, a picky eater personally, um, I do have a friend who is going to encourage and support you in this topic, and that is Alicia Grogan, who is my guest on today's episode. And Alicia is just such a wealth of knowledge, families. She's an occupational therapist and a mom of three boys who has so much experience in this area. So she has been specializing in this topic of picky eating for many, many years now and and really has helped so many families get to a much better place when it comes to just the stress around what um, having a picky eater looks like. So I know um, we have a little nephew that really struggles with picky eating and it's been you know, it's been, I know it's been hard for their family over the years. And then we also have a neighbor who um, struggles with picky eating too. And so over the years, I've always wanted to create resources to help families like theirs and families like yours, who obviously are struggling in this area too, which is why you're listening to this episode. So I hope um, what Alicia covers today, it just gives you guys lots of new ideas and guidance and helps you feel on a, you know less alone. I know this can be um, an area that you can just feel so alone when you feel like your kid is the only one on the block or amongst his or her friends who just really struggles in this area. So um, you're not alone, <laughs> right? I think it's so important in any parenting struggle that we, rem- we, we remember that there are many, many families who are, are dealing with the same challenges that you are. But I know that this episode is going to really encourage you and Alicia's going to cover the four main reasons why kids are picky eaters and spoiler alert it's not because of your bad parenting you have to know that there are some underlying things that are going on that Alicia really helps us get to the bottom of. Also, after you listen to this episode today, you'll want to go get registered for Alicia's free workshop series that she's hosting next week, all about picky eating. You can find out more information and save your seat at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash picky eating. But in that workshop, she's going to cover the two-step process for moving your kiddo from picky eater to healthy child. So that's going to be a really great next step after you listen to our conversation today. So make sure you go get registered for that. And without further ado, enjoy this episode, families. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show! Well, hey there, families, and welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to be interviewing Alicia Grogan, who is the founder of YourKidsTable.com. She's an occupational therapist that specializes in all things related to kids eating, particularly picky eating as well as sensory processing. Families, I get this question all the time. What do I do with my kids that are picky eaters, the kids that are just a nightmare at the dinner table? And so I know you are going to be just as excited to hear from Alicia as I am today. So welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me here, Wendy. I love talking about picky eating because so many parents are dealing with it. It almost seems like a epidemic these days, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Um, oh my gosh, I have so so much to chat about. It's so good. It's, it's going to be so good. And I see you're from Pittsburgh, right? Are you in the, on the East Coast? I am on the East Coast. I've been born and raised here and nice. uh, left for a year once and just went to D.C. and came right back. So I've been here my whole life. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, Terry and I are originally from Maryland. Okay, great. Yeah, we grew great. up there our whole life. Um, yeah. And you moved to better weather. I know. I love California. (laughs) Yes. 25 years ago, we were like, we are out. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and families, we don't have Terry with us this morning. He's on kid duty because it's super early here on um, the West Coast at the time of this recording. So we'll miss him this morning, but that's okay. We're just going to have a good chat about picky eating. So, all right, Alicia. So let's get right into it. So today, what we're going to cover is specifically four main reasons why kids are picky eaters. And you're going to talk to us so much about misconceptions and and how parents can really understand better what's going on, right? Because here at Fresh Start Family, we're always trying to help our the families that we work with really understand what's underneath the misbehavior, right? What's the root of the cause instead of just thinking kids are being bad, they're being naughty, they're not listening. (laughs) And I just know that this is something that's driving parents insane. So I love to teach about power struggles, help families really feel empowered so they can approach power struggles with integrity, so they can um, dissolve power struggles with integrity. And it never fails whether I'm doing a webinar or an in-person teaching. This is one of the subjects that comes up when I say, what are you guys power struggling about? What are you saying to your kids? Like, you do this and they're like, no. And you're like, yes, you will. And they're like, no. <laughs> the the right. dinner table seems to always come up more than breakfast and lunch, I feel like, because dinner is just everyone's tired. Um, but the subject of eating always comes up. And then layering on, I often hear from a lot of parents, you know, they have one or two that just is really... Like they said, you know, the verbiage is more like a pain in the butt when it comes to to eating. And so I'm so excited to reframe this challenge today and really hear from you. Um, so we'll start with just give us a little bit more um, of an introduction of how you found this work, how you became um, an occupational therapist, how you decided to specialize in this subject. Just tell us all about you. Tell the listeners. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I knew... Uh, very early on that I wanted to be an occupational therapist, which sounds strange because it's a little bit of a unknown field. However, I was volunteering with special needs kids in my high school in a classroom. And at the time, actually before that, I wanted to be an artist (laughs) and my mom was a little bit nervous. Um, And I ended up, they ended up showing me how awesome occupational therapy was. And uh, traditional occupational therapy, when you think about working with kids, is really kind of helping them with fine motor skills. And that was the angle that they used for me because they're like, look, you get to do art with kids and this is going to be so fun. And um, it was 100% my calling. And I'm I'm really grateful that I, I kind of stumbled into uh, becoming an OT and uh, just really fell in love with wanting to, to help others and did never expect. Yeah. I never expected that eating was going to be my specialty. Uh, in fact, it was not very much on my radar and it was covered one day in my graduate work. Uh, one day we covered, uh, feeding challenges with kids. So when I graduated, I didn't really have a lot of experience or foundation in eating and is, even more of a, of a niche being an occupational therapist that specializes in feeding. But a few years into my career, before I even started my own family, I found that I had half of my caseload with kids that were having eating difficulties. And many of them were what I call extreme picky eaters. So they had less than 20 foods in their diet. They were typically developing children a lot of times in other ways. Uh, I might be the only therapist that was working with them because they were so picky and it was such a stress on the family. Mm, yeah. So I had, I had to get good at figuring out how to solve this problem because it was for me, why I became an OT was to help people. So I started taking, uh, every continuing education course I could and talking to experts in my area. And I had, lots of practice. And I tried every type of technique you can imagine because I didn't have the experience yet. I didn't know what was going to work. And I was willing to try anything with families to alleviate this stress from their lives. And that evolved into a lot of experience and finding out what really did work. And then I I got some real hardcore practice with my own kids. <laughs> so... <laughs> Did you get one? Did you get a picky yes, eater? <laughs> I did. I did. And I'll I'll talk about him today a okay, little bit cool. and kind of how where his issues kind of came up. And I 
I knew it. Uh, obviously, this was this was my specialty, and it was my second son, and I saw it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. But it was a whole different ball game. Me being his mom and having to walk him through that, and not being the <laughs> yes. therapist. Yeah, isn't so, that funny? I get so many teachers who are like, "I am so good with my kids in class all day," and then I come home and I just scream. <laughs> Yeah, when right. it's your own kids, it's so much harder to apply your, ex- your you know, yeah, common. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, I got really passionate about feeding kids, and I started to realize uh, that that so many people were dealing with this, and people started to ask me all the time. So I was still uh, did not have an online business, and. I really started it because of the picky eating questions, because I was getting asked all the time at birthday parties and, um, you know, at the block party. And it wasn't an answer that I could give somebody in five minutes. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to provide deeper help and have a conversation that I just don't think a lot of people are having, mainly because we're just not educated about this. Like this is one of those topics that is just not in the parenting manual. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you went on um, to really start like niche helping in this area and you developed your kids table how many years ago or how long is it? How many? Seven years ago. Seven Seven years ago. Seven seven and a half years ago. Yeah. I started the blog for the very first time and uh, picky eating has been the primary focus, but there's a lot of overlap with sensory processing and really anything that relates to kids, kids eating and challenges that they face. Yeah, and I can I can imagine how you are literally changing lives because, you know, it's like when you're when you're a parent that's stressed to that level and your relationship is that strained from something like this, and then you find a program that helps you and someone that gets you and understands you and provides you applicable, tangible, effective ways to help end the drama and the like. That's so life changing. I can imagine how many families are so grateful for your work. So awesome yeah it's it's a it, yeah it's a joy and a privilege for me for sure awesome yeah, for sure. and you ha- you work um closely with Wendy Burtonall right Sometimes. yes <laughs> so yes Wendy and I have a sensory course together nice. so it's it's a course I'm very proud of and I think it is you will not find anything else like it because Wendy and I have two very different backgrounds Uh, I, when we created that course, it was a labor of love. I will tell you, I mean, we went round and round, redid that thing over and over again. I mean, and it, what turned out from all that hard work is something that we're so proud of because it pulls in not just the OT background with sensory processing, which is an occupational therapist is the go-to person for sensory. Yeah. Uh, but it pulls in all of Wendy's expertise as behavior because sensory and behavior just overlap and intertwine and are so closely married together that it's such a comprehensive course for parents that are struggling with sensory processing issues. So good. Yes. And listeners, um, you remember we interviewed Wendy Burtonall all about sensory processing and you guys loved that episode. So I knew when I found out you worked closely with her and I started looking at your work, I was like, we got to have Alicia. We basically stalked you. You know, we stalked yeah, you. We were no, like, you're, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Nice. Okay. Well, let's get right into it. I kind of feel like a kid on like Christmas morning or something because I am so excited to learn from you. I don't specifically have one of those picky eaters. I I have had drama at the dinner table a million thousand times, um, but I do know a lot of people like our little cousin, he's six and he's struggled with this his whole life. And he's, you know, I know his parents have been really, um, they it's just very hard for them. Like it's chicken nugget, nuggets, it's waffles, it's um, yogurt. That's like kind of like what, you know, if they're going out, like they have to pack his own stuff and they've just really struggled with that. And then we have a little neighbor friend who's kind of been the same way his whole life and um, just very, it's, he seems to be getting better. Um, we just know a lot of people who I think are going to really benefit from hearing what you have to say. So let's get right into it. Introduce us to this idea that there are four main reasons why kids are picky eaters and just walk us through this, please. Yes, absolutely. So I loved what you said at the top about 
getting to the root of the cause that you uh, literally took the words out of my mouth because it's something I talk about all the time. And I think it's one of the biggest pieces that we're missing when we talk about picky eating is that there's a reason that our kids are being picky. It is not because they're trying to punish us or be bad. In fact, we know statistically that the amount of the percentage of children that are choosing to be picky for the sake of a behavioral response or for attention or is a very low percentage, like just a few percentage in the, the entire spectrum of picky eaters. So it is interesting. Yeah. It's safe to say now behavior is often a part of it because children can control what they eat and what they put into their body just about more than any other area in their life. So they can, you know, also control when they fall asleep and when they go to the bathroom. And this is where we see some of our biggest headaches because we cannot make them do these things. So, um, so you will not hear behavior as one of my reasons, although it is often, it's, it's often a piece of the puzzle. But for me, I, I can't say that I have ever worked with a child uh, in person or online, which is into the thousands that I have worked with that, have, that I have felt was purely a behavioral case. There has always been another underlying cause going yeah. on that's fueling that. So the number one reason and what is most prevalent and what most kids will experience is the average picky eating phase. So it is a typical part of development for children to be a little bit more cautious and wary of new foods. And we see this start in between one and two years old. And then kids will exit this naturally on their own between three and a half to five years old. If, and this is a big caveat, Mm. if we are using the proper strategies uh, because it can snowball into something yes. much bigger. Oh, I can see phase. that for sure. Yeah. Yes. So some kids will come out of it. And there's a danger in the fact that parents often are told, just wait, they'll grow out of it. Because there's some truth to that to that advice. And doctors often share it. Because sometimes when it is in this kind of average, typical picky eating phase, they should come out of it. But if we start short order cooking for them all the Mm. time, uh, if we create a power struggle around the food, it, it just starts to snowball into something bigger. And we can actually see other underlying causes take root as a result. So we'll, we'll kind of get into that. But number one is it's a normal. If your child starts between one or two, they were a good eater. And now they, they tend to get more selective about their vegetables because their palate changes they uh, taste vegetables as bitter and don't want those. They are more cautious of new foods. And this is kind of like uh, a remnant of what children needed to survive in the wild thousands and millions of years ago yeah. because they needed to be cautious of new and different looking foods. They needed to be cautious of uh wild vegetables and herbs that could be potentially poisonous in the wild. They didn't, you know, they weren't able to recognize and decipher these types of foods. So it is built into us as this protective mechanism, but that's why we tend to see this picky eating phase around that age. Nice. That totally makes sense. So the second reason, and uh, this I would say is the most common reason that I see for children that start to move into this extreme picky eating. So for me, all picky eaters are not created equal. If you have a child that is just really wanting to have those typical kid foods and they love their chicken nuggets but can eat chicken nuggets from anywhere or they they love pizza and macaroni and cheese and chips and sliced apples but they don't like your Brussels sprouts or they're not really keen on the lasagna that you made, that's what I would call an average picky eater. You don't usually see explosive meltdowns. Right. This is the phase that kids usually move through. But this extreme picky eating where kids are eating less than 25 to 20 foods, we're seeing big, big emotional reactions. We have to take their food with us. They'll only eat one brand of those chicken nuggets, and they have to be prepared the exact way or they're not going to touch them. That's when we move into these deeper underlying causes. Mm. And the top of the list for that is sensory. <laughs> so... Uh, our kids will decide what they're eating, what they're not eating based on how a food looks, 
how a food smells, how a food feels, and how a food tastes. This is an eating is a sensory rich experience. We just cannot get around that. And even if your child isn't touching the food, they are eyeing it up. And if they think that that texture is going to be uncomfortable or even painful, they're not going to go through with even picking it up. And they're also going to get extremely defensive because it's kind of an assault to their sensory system. So they're scared and they're going to be protective of that. Yes. And I I remember reading an article once about how possibly um, that some, you know, picky eating can be tied to some anxiety in kids. And that kind of makes sense with this one, right? Like it does feel like it's an attack and then they end up kind of in that like red zone, right? That fight or flight mode where they're kind of in a state of anxiety. And that when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, I just wanted to go like hug every little kid I knew that was a picky eater because, you know, realizing that there's more going on, that they're like, you know, almost triggered by this um, was, was so hard to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So the more that we push and force the food on our, on our kids, which by the way, is sometimes recommended from professionals we trust right. to do because no one else is sure what they should be doing. And to be fair to our pediatricians, uh, there are some amazing pediatricians that have background in feeding issues. But by and large, if you talk to a pediatrician, they will be extremely forthcoming in telling you that they did not receive any advanced training on this. They know numbers for weight and they know numbers for growth. And that's all they can look at. They, they're not trained in nutrition. They're not trained in picky eating strategy. So unless they've gone the extra distance and done some research on their own, they're really not aware of any other advice than to say, don't give them any other food until they eat it. Which right. for a child that's experiencing anxiety and is feeling scared now because the, the sensory experience is going to be so overwhelming, they will just not eat. They will not eat. You will have a child that ends up in the hospital. It's and, and most parents that have tried this with an extreme picky eater will tell you they've either tried or they didn't because they knew that it would 100% not work with their kid. Oh, that's, I have so many questions for you. Yes, because it is, it, I find that it is such a, a game of like, parents genuinely are just worried about their children's development. I feel like it's so much behind this, right? Like they, they just want to, they just want to give them, you know, food so they can grow strong and develop bones and everything in the right way. But then I see this pattern of they start giving them the stuff that America has created that is like almost detrimental to their growth. Right. And this reminds me, um, just speaking of like doctors are doing their best, right. With the information that they have, but at the same time, there's this gap of like, well, how how do we deal with this? And I know we're going to get into so much more here, but it reminds me back when I had my kids, especially my first, I was in the hospital. I'd had an an emergency C-section. It was a nightmare birth. (laughs) Thank God my daughter and I are alive. But afterwards, like, you know, I was trying to nurse for the first time and learn how to do it. And just very confusing, so much pain. She was like underneath, we, we called it the tanning booth. So like she was, um, what's it called when they go underneath the lights? Jaundice. Uh, jaundice. Yeah. She was jaundiced. We had this emergency C-section and I was trying to, and so we called them the milkmaids. The milk, the lactation specialist would come in and try to help. But then the pediatrician, who again was just doing the best that they could, they would come in and it was like this very intense, like, she's not gaining weight. You need to supplement immediately. Like if you don't, it was like very alarming where we were like, whoa. And thank goodness the lactation consultants got us like this little tube that you like, you know, put on as you're nursing and it like gave her a little bit of the, um, of the formula, but also like helped me get used to the nursing. But it was, you could see there was like a a gap there because there was this feeling I had of like, oh my God, I got to like, I got to sustain this child's life. Literally this little seven pound child is going downward. She's melting. And you you know, when you're a parent, you're like, what if she like, what if? And so you just end up giving them, for my example, giving them what you don't want to, but you feel like you have to. And again, thank God I had a lot of support. Um, I had some friends who really like stood up and were like, Wendy, you can do, 
no, you don't need to like give up. You can do this. Um, but it just opened up this can of worms that was very hard to understand. And so the families I see now that struggle with this, they end up in this pattern where they're they're giving the chicken nuggets and the waffles. And again, we it's like the one brand want like only one brand and but really like I feel like under what's underneath it is like this fear that if they don't they their child won't eat and as an uneducated person in this subject area I'm like I have a tendency to say yes they will they will eat like eventually and so I love that that's kind of wrong (laughs) so tell me more let's chat for a hot sec openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Well, hey there, families. I want to take a moment to tell you about one of my favorite ways to take care of myself as a busy parent, which I'm always telling you guys is so important. Self-care is a necessary part of being a parent. Without self-care, we are unable to respond to our kids in the ways that we feel proud of at the end of the day because our bucket is empty and we really can't parent with integrity with empty buckets. So the Balanced Life Sisterhood is an online Pilates membership program that makes it easy for you to build strength, reduce stress, which is almost my favorite part of this program, and feel good in a way that is 100% doable and 0% overwhelming. So I have been a member of The Balanced Life for over five years now, and I can honestly say that no matter how busy my day is with the kids or how many challenges I've had to navigate with sibling rivalry or pushback, whatever it may be, or even just a busy day at work, when I make time to do a short Pilates workout with Robin, who's the founder of The Balance Life, I just feel better. I feel less stressed. My body feels strong. And I just, I absolutely love Robin Long's programs. So I want to offer you guys an opportunity to go learn about The Balance Life Sisterhood. You can head to Fresh Start Family online com forward slash TBL as in the balance life. So fresh start family online.com forward slash TBL and you can use code Wendy 20 for $20 off your first month's membership. Enjoy. Yeah. So okay, what are we doing? again, we know like 10 to 11% of children will 
let themselves starve before they eat. So, and this is probably wow. that 10 to 11% are, are extreme picky eaters that okay. are in a really bad place because their appetite signals are turned off because mm. they have not developed a healthy relationship with food in any stretch. And they, again, from the sensory perspective, they are, have maybe possibly had negative experiences already. So they may have tried something in the past and it caused them to gag very badly or caused them to even throw up. Many of our extreme picky eaters have thrown up so many times from the texture of a food in their mouth. So yeah. they want to prevent that from happening again. That's so unpleasant and uncomfortable. And they will 100% just put up those walls. So for me, uh, it really begins with taking all pressure off. Like that's, that's the, the first step. Like if parents do nothing else, like let the pressure, let the pressure go. Cause a lot of children will start to make significant improvements when they're not being pressured to eat or being shamed about what they're eating. Uh, yeah, you know, by cool. begging them, bribing them. Uh, we do like all these kind of traditional tactics. Like you can't have your dessert till you do this. You have to do two try it bites or all of that stuff is detrimental to extreme picky eaters and will only make the situation worse or keep you stuck in it. So wow. it's a, yeah, it, because they need to feel supported and need to feel like you're on the same page. Get it. Uh, because and when we see that there's an underlying cause, this is why I think this is so powerful. When we see that there's an underlying cause, then we know that there's a reason that they're doing this and we can start to treat them in a different way. So I'd love to give you some signs for what the sensory underlying cause is so that your audience can say, yes, like my child is doing all that. It might be related to sensory. And then you can know this is what I need to address yes. because when you address the sensory issue, which you can do by the way, outside of meal times, it doesn't have to be part of your meal. When you can improve their sensory processing and how their brain is thinking about that chicken nugget or that like different kind of chicken nugget, let's say like we see most kids are able to eat lots of different kinds of chicken nuggets. And right. that's because of the processing that's happening in their brain. Their brain is telling them, this is good. This, you know, where the other child is getting the signal. This is horrible. This feels like nails down a chalkboard in my mouth. This is dangerous. So, yeah. Right. Dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want it. I want to hear those signs for sure. And before we move on real quick, I, I feel like I'm just <clears throat> want to summarize here. So, so point number one that you made is like a lot of times, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of times it's a normal phase, right? Just like I teach families when children are developing autonomy and independence, like pushing back power surge stages of life when they're toddlers. It's a normal phase, right? To have a little, however, we often get in trouble because we treat it like it's not. So then we develop patterns of sometimes giving only the chicken nuggets and the waffles and the yogurt. And then that becomes a kind of a, a issue that we got to get ourselves out of as we get, as the kids get older. So that's one, but then two comes in with like, okay. And then there really are as the kids get a little bit older, there is this smaller percentage that really is where it starts to move into, um, what was, what did you call it again? It's like, it's, it's, it's like a sensory, sense. I mean, it's, yeah, just sensory. I mean, sensory. I would say okay. sensory processing difficulties related to food. Got it. And that can actually, so that can develop as a result of the snowball because once a child's mm. foods get so selected down, they're not exposed to different tastes and textures. So their brain isn't used to processing that information and it narrows and they can become sensitive when they never used to be. But many children that are extreme picky eaters, including my second son, have sensory processing issues out of the gate. Got so when it. I started trying to feed my son at seven and eight months old table foods, he showed all of the classic signs such as gagging as soon as he saw mm. a food. I mean, he's so disgusted that he gagged because I put it on his tray. And if I could get it anywhere near his mouth, we'd see a gag again as soon as it touched his lips or as soon as he touched it. That, that kind of visceral response that our kids give us just from looking, touching, or a quick taste in their mouth is just 
classic sensory if you see your child doing that or if they did it in the past because as children get older they will develop better coping mechanisms and may be able to stop that gagging but if your child did that for a few years and you're still in the same spot it's a pretty big clue that there's some sensory issues underneath the surface got it uh some of our kids too cannot stand getting messy uh Mm -hmm. so for a sensory standpoint like you don't see it with food but they're the kids that won't walk across the the grass barefoot, or they don't want to play in the sand. They don't want to touch finger paints. Not all the time. Some children can tolerate it on their hands and not in their mouth. So don't think that that's a, uh, a role for everybody, but it's another sign that could be pointing to, yes. Like if your child does not like getting messy, they don't regularly engage in messy types of play, then definitely a huge sign that your child is not eating because of some underlying sensory stuff going on. Got it. Okay. And was there three and four signs? Did you say there's a few signs or those two are the big ones, right? Those are probably, yeah, those are the big ones. ones. You can see there's some other smaller signs. Like sometimes kids will do what we call pocketing food in their mouth where they'll hold onto the food. Like they'll chew it and just leave it in their mouth because they like the way it feels. Sometimes that happens also because of oral motor concerns, which is our third big reason that kids can be picky eaters. And that relates to the muscles and coordination in our mouth. Some children don't know how to chew their food. Uh, It's something we take for granted as coming naturally. And it does for most children, but it doesn't for all children. The same way that some children need help learning how to talk or learning how to walk, some children need help learning how to chew. But again, it's a skill that just people like people aren't looking at. When you go into the pediatrician's office, they can see that your child isn't talking or walking. But if they put food in their mouth and they just mash it with their tongue, a pediatrician is probably not going to catch that. That's right. not an appropriate way for us to be chewing a food. And a child will narrow their food choices based on what they feel they can safely manage in their mouth. And we will see oral motor issues become very apparent right when you start introducing those table and finger foods as a baby and as a toddler. So this will precede the the normal picky eating stage. And then the normal picky eating stage just usually adds a whole nother layer to it because children need to learn how to actually chew and use, like manipulate the food in their mouth. It's a very complex process that we totally take for granted. Oh my goodness. This just, it's not the same, but it reminds me of, um, you know, lately I've just been really trying all the parents I work with in my course, my membership program, I'm always trying to make sure we're checking other things that are outside of the behavioral norm, right? Like sleep. Um, and one of the things we just realized as a family, um, is our little boy started like myofunctional therapy for his tongue because he's been tongue-tied since he was really young. And, and back then it was like, oh, he's probably fine if he's latching okay, even though nursing was horrendous for the first three months with both my kids. It was fine. We, we were fine for a year um, with each of them. But now there's, you know, the research is like, oh, there's probably some, some more that's related to his tongue being tied. So he has a lot of sleep stuff where he's like just um, really struggling at night to stay asleep all night and we're and he's a mouth breather and we're realizing like, oh, this is all tied together and we have a good friend who's a myofunctional therapist. And so it's just one of those things that you take for granted that you can put your tongue on the top of your, your mouth and my little guy can't and we're realizing that's caused him to be a mouth breather and the way he eats is like, you know, like his sister gets really annoyed with him because he's like this, like, and he stuffs his mouth and he can't ever breathe out of his nose because he has allergies and asthma, which could be related to this whole thing. And it's just one of those things you take for granted. And then now we're realizing like, oh man, we, we're getting him help. He's in, he's in therapy every week and then he's going to get his little tongue clipped next week so he, it'll let go. Um, but it's just, yeah, I love having more resources, more options for parents to go, okay, like maybe there's something going on here that I've never even thought of. That's not just right. my kids being a pain in the butt. Right, right. So you will see some some signs that parents can look for. Or again, if you have a child now that's older, they have probably developed some compensatory strategies like your son. Like they have they have figured out how to chew even with that tongue tie, which by the way is a common thing related to oral motor issues. Mm. So not all kids though. My husband is tongue tied, never had it clipped, never had an issue. So right. 
uh, it's, you know, not a thing again, that we can say a hundred percent of the time if your yeah. kid has a tongue tie. Uh, but I know that that's a trigger word. So I want to mention it cause a, a lot of kids actually have a tongue tie. It's, it's pretty common. Right. So, uh, what you can look for typically is that you will see your child gagging, but after they have the food in their mouth and they're trying to chew and swallow. So it's not a sensory thing where they're, they're upset by the te- texture. Now they're literally gagging because they're not sequencing the swallow properly. And it's that it's going down the wrong pipe feeling mm. or they're, uh, they, they couldn't chew it up well enough and it was too big of a piece. And now, and now they're gagging. So when you see gagger gagging after they've had the food in their mouth for, for, you know, some time and they're trying to chew and swallow big sign that that's oral motor. Or if you see that they're accidentally having food fall out of their mouth like it's like they can't they can't keep it in their mouth they're not intentionally spitting it out but it's kind of falling out all the time another big sign that that's that that's oral motor and what happens here is kids will only take the the unsuccessful attempts for so long before they only want those foods that they know that they can manage well and so the same thing starts to happen where they're going to hyper focus on some foods that they know that they can eat. And then as a result, there, there usually brings a sensory component to this because now they're only being exposed to a few certain right. foods and they start to get sensitive to other types of textures because they're just not being exposed to them on a regular basis. Yes. Oh, so I can see how it would, it's just so important for families to, to learn this and be kind of on the lookout from a very young age. So if, if it does present itself, they can just get supported through a course right. like yours. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you have so many great ways for them to work through this. Like it's not just a, Absolutely. cause what we're covering today is like, okay, here's like why it's happening. And here's some ways you can see that it might be going on with your kiddo. And it's hopefully just like an alarm for some parents to go, Oh my goodness, there, you know, there's hope here. There's hope that I can get help. But then actually moving forward and stepping into learning on how you support them is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, there are some really specific tools and strategies, therapeutic tools and strategies uh, that you really need detailed handholding on to be able to put into place, especially when we're dealing with oral motor and sensory issues uh, so that you're, you're addressing it so that it's, it's moving them forward forward because sometimes these strategies and it's it's one of the reasons uh i think it's hard to find this information is because if you use some of these strategies in the wrong way you can actually do more harm than good Mm. uh you know you can make sensory issues worse or create more of that fear uh with children just they build up that wall even more Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of 
parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions. FreshStartFamilyOnline.com forward slash firm and kind. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. As I'm, we talked about this last point, we have a, a little pal who's been choking on her food since she was, she's two and a half now. Um, but this has been happening for some time. Um, so it's just, I can't wait for them to listen to this just to make sure there's nothing else going on. Cause they're about to have their second and I can see, you know, it's like it snowballs into like, then you start to have drama at the dinner table or, you know, it's just like, you just want them to, I can't wait for them to hear this. Okay. So we've covered three. Is there one more? There's one more. (laughs) So the last one is underlying medical issues. So this one, I is usually the last thing I look at unless we see glaring signs, but often the signs aren't glaring because if they were, you would already know you would, you would have already had your child at the doctor if they were throwing up all the time or if they had rashes from allergies but there are numerous medical reasons that can cause our children to be picky because they're not feeling well when they mm-hmm. eat or the foods that they are eating are, are making their stomach hurt, but they don't have the language or the experience to even communicate that to us. In fact, they may not know what it feels like for them to feel good. If they have had a food sensitivity, which is different than an allergy, so this is not going to show up necessarily on an allergy test, and al- a true allergy will, but a lot of our kids are just sensitive to yeah. dairy or gluten or nuts or whatever it is, and it can give them reflux-like symptoms. Uh, foods can cause constipation. Constipation is a huge issue. If your child is constipated and is a picky eater, there is 100% a connection because if there's not room to put the food in, they're not going to eat. And it's uh, imperative to address the constipation so that your child actually has an appetite and wants to put food into their body. Very, I would say out of all of the medical reasons, constipation is at the top of the list and many picky eaters struggle with constipation. It turns into a uh, chicken and the egg type situation because is it the child's diet of not eating any fiber and fruits right. and vegetables that causes the constipation or was the constipation there first because there was a food allergy or sensitivity and then they're constantly impacted and they don't they they've lost the desire to eat they are having a very negative association with food so it's important to address the constipation a lot of people don't realize that there's such a strong connection, but all, but other factors can come into play here too. Silent reflux. Kids can have reflux that are not throwing up. Again, food sensitivities and allergies can cause the reflux, right. but, uh, you know, and then there's also some kind of rare physical abnormalities that can be happening that are really minor things once you know that they're there, but unless you're are able to deal with them and know that it's present, you have a child that's uncomfortable swallowing or again, limiting their textures because it hurts when they swallow certain types of food. Yes. That, that same little pal that I'm thinking of who has trouble with choking, she's severely constipated all the time Mm. and it's, she isn't presenting with as, um, you know, really bad picky, not really bad. I shouldn't even use that term. Um, she does, she isn't exhibiting a lot of picky eating yet, but it just worries me, you know, I'm like, okay, can't, again, can't wait to get this episode into their hands. Yeah. yeah um, Cause to have two of those things, um, what we talked about today, I'm like, oh goodness. Oh, so good. So gosh, it's so interesting because I feel like everything that, that you talked about those, those four reasons why layered with, I just feel like the, um, the you know, the American way of like what's in our cupboards these days that is like, 
this is just a, I feel like this is a problem that's probably going to get worse and worse over time because we, we like the, again, and this is coming from me who is all like, often I get off track with my eating and I have happen to have like very, a lot of sensitivities. So, um, the, you know, doctors have always looked at me and said, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Cause I swear I can't get my rings off like after Thanksgiving and, uh, or the, you know, after I eat a bunch of gluten or something, I'm like, nope, you're fine. But when I do do like a elimination and I eat just natural healthy foods from the earth I feel like a million bucks but in today's day and age we are you know it's so almost it, it's so hard for parents to even comprehend only shopping at the farmer's market or not having the goldfish and right. the chicken nuggets and the and the commercialized waffles in the freezer it's just almost like I was just interviewing a dear friend a few weeks ago where she's having a lot of food sensitivities. Um, she's seeing a nutritionalist. They they have her off of that stuff for a while. And her, all, almost all of her anxiety is gone. Like she's just feeling like a million bucks and her little boy is presenting a lot of behavioral stuff. And But you can tell in her head the concept of like pulling back on all this stuff and just providing like foods from the earth that could that could help with, with a lot is like, overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, but I have three other kids and what am I going to feed them if I can't feed them snack bars and, and, and like, what, you know what I mean? Right. So it's just such a, an interesting, like very, um, inter like intricate, I think conversation that has all these layers that I'm sure just become part of the conversation because it feels like sometimes some of this would have worked out back when there wasn't another option. But now layering it on top of like, well, there's a million options. Like you always have, op- like for the most part, right. you always have options right. to buy to buy stuff. That's um, so. Gosh, such a good conversation, and I know so many listeners are going to really benefit from this. And um, tell us more about where we can find you if if listeners want to learn more and um, really want to. Um, kind of take the next step to figure out now that we know why this is a problem that presents itself and causes stress in our parenting life um, and causes stress for our little developing humans. What what can we do about it to get to the, like, what do we do now? Right. Cause we don't have time to, to cover that today. Like, okay, what are the steps we take? How do we solve this problem? Right. How do we support our kids? Right. How, tell us where we can find you and what the next steps are. Okay. So you know, I think that the next the next steps are that the step is to have a plan because I think you hit the nail right on the head because all of the overwhelm starts to just come crashing down because this is a multi-layered issue. But we can't I think when we start to focus on the long term goal or these drastic changes, we're just not able to move forward, which is why my online picky eating program is completely built around a five-phase plan so that you take one phase at a time. And I will tell you, it does not start with the quality of food that you're giving your child because I think that that's the most overwhelming part, uh, but it's where we ultimately want to end up. But it's a process and not something that we're changing overnight. So I actually would love to tell you guys about a free workshop that I have that tells you three biggest keys. And these are really some highlights from the first two phases of my program in my free workshop uh, so that you can get started and learn what these next steps are to take so that you can start laying this foundation. And the one thing I will promise you is that it is 100% doable. Uh, I, I think that this has to be practical for parents and I've lived it as a parent myself. So I know what it's like to go through it. uh, And we have to be able to cut out the overwhelm by taking just one step at a time. So I want to say to anybody that's listening right now, if you're feeling that anxiety swell up, just like you were saying with your friend, because that is the common response is, you know what you would like to see your family doing, what foods you'd like to be giving them. But the thought of getting there is like, you know, just brings on a panic attack because you can't see the steps laid out. So my program is the map to show you how to get to that place. And it takes into consideration uh, the environment, the routine, 
and then addressing these underlying causes. And then once you've addressed the underlying causes, some specific therapeutic strategies that you can use at home to really help get your child eating more variety. And that's really in phase four where we're bringing in uh, the new and different foods because I'm right there with you, 100%. I went um, basically on a paleo diet two years ago and haven't looked back. And it drastically changed my life. One of my students in particular, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, who is just really passionate about gut health and nutrition, had a child who had snowballed into extreme picky eating. And she was so focused on the nutrition piece before she joined the class because of all the things that you said, she yeah. knew this is where he needs to be. This is where, this is so important to me and I can't get him there. But instead she let go of all of that for a short time and used what he was eating as a stepping stone to be able to get him to those new foods. Now her son is gluten-free, dairy-free. His life has drastically changed and he eats a ton of different <laughs> foods and it's just like nice. a thriving, healthy little boy. Uh, but it didn't start with the focus on the foods. It's like, that's that we're going to get there, but we, we got to work with where they are at first and work inside of our culture, unfortunately, because our kids are bombarded with this everywhere. You know, we, unless you're homeschooling your child and they don't leave, they are going to have to face all of these foods and know how to cope with them. Yes. Oh, and I love this because it's so in line with, you know, what we try to equip parents with and empower them with is just tools and strategies that work for the long term to really help you build a healthy family foundation built on mutual respect and trust and help your kids develop intrinsic skills, right? So they're not... So not relying on fear, force, bribery, and rewards, which I know your program really gives them real steps, but it, it does it in a way that's not overwhelming. So I'm so excited um, for our listeners to go check out. And you have a free class, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So our free workshop nice. is, gives you those first three key steps so that you Wonderful. can learn what you can start doing like today. Yeah. Awesome. And families, you can go find that at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash picky eating. Okay. Freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash picky eating. And um, I love it. You're going to teach them all about everything we talked about today, plus more. And they can really kind of find out what the next steps look like. And it's a free, it's probably a one hour class. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay, Alicia. And then tell me about social. Where can we find you on social, Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, you can find me at uh, the handle Your Kids Table on Facebook and on Instagram, Pinterest. Yep. Oh, nice. Pinterest. I've just started dabbling in Pinterest, too. Oh, yeah. We love Pinterest. Pinterest is a bit, yeah, is a a big part of your kids' table. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today, Alicia. I hope you have a great day, and um, thanks so much. Thank you, Wendy. For links and more information about everything we covered in today's episode, you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 47. Also, don't forget to get registered for Alicia's free workshop series coming up next week, the two-step process for moving your kiddo from picky eater to healthy child. You can register for that at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash picky eating. Families, I want to tell you about Thrive Market. Do you know about them? Thrive Market is an online grocery store that offers natural and organic foods, household items, cleaning products, hygiene products, makeup, and a lot of other stuff at comparable prices you'd find at your local grocery store. But the best part is, you guys, you don't have to go to your local grocery store. Everything gets delivered right to your doorstep in a fast, convenient manner. So you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash thrive market to learn more and save 25% off your first order. Enjoy. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.
All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start Family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode. 